Hello and welcome to Web3 Delight Podcast. My name is Tesha Teshanovic and I will be your host today. Web3 is not about technology. This is a social movement towards transparency, consensus, inclusiveness, ownership and openness. To that end, we'll explore different elements of Web3 with our guests and learn from their journeys. Is Latin America a future of Web3 since we see a lot of new startups uh, emerging from Argentina and Brazil recently? The adoption here is huge. I mean, Argentina is one of the 10th countries in the world. It's the number 10th of Web3 adoption because um, Web3, as you know, works very good in non-stable economies. And the penetration with um, the people is really, the adoption is really, uh, I mean, we are not counting the last months because the last months have been horrible for crypto because of what the, I mean, the, the scums and what many bad people have done to the ecosystem, like the FTX scandal and many others. But that's like what happened in the 90s with the dot-coms when the technology of internet uh, started that there was like kind of a bubble like there is right now. So the bubble blew up and only the product and services that really add value were the one that remain until this day. So that's, this is pretty much uh, a breaking point moment for everyone. But regarding to adoption, Latin America is very, very well positioned. And also the big uh, big influence there is the community. You have a huge Web3 community in Argentina. Yes, we do have. And many of the most important events are taking place here. Like now we just had the BitConf and people from all over the world and many uh, hot shots like Vitalik Buterin or and many others from from the from the ecosystem came or Jimmy Song for example they all came here because it's huge I mean Argentina is huge it's a it's definitely a, a point of interest how do you build a community what is the key success factor there in general yeah <laughs> the, I think the key thing to build a community is first of all to be transparent and honest. People forgive that you make mistakes, but people don't forgive when you lie to them. And that's the thing that I always teach when I'm giving conferences. You need to be honest about the mistakes you make. Don't try to hide them, you know? The second thing is to iterate with your community. Just ask what interests the people because sometimes you think that they are interested in something and it actually there aren't so you can start the basis of your culture and your dna and the values you align with but then you need to iterate regarding to the point of interests you know and you have to be flexible and not rigid and always have um the the always have the the ability to listen always have the active listening you know don't try to impose your ideas but at the same time the rules 
of what is not permitted and not allowed need to be very clear. For example, in Twitter, I have almost 60,000 people blocked. And that's because I'm very, very strong about what I allowed the community, my community to do and what I don't allow them to do. And you have to be strong in both, on both scenarios because then your community thank you for that because it keeps the community healthy. That's quite a uh, strict policy, but you know, it's needed to keep the, uh, community in a good order exactly well it's not a strict the thing is that people uh think when it's clear what they are not allowed to do because if you leave everything like in the open like oh it's free it's everything if everything is permitted um the the social behavior as a mass tends to get sick you know tends to seek communities. So it needs to be clear as well as what you are allowed to do in that community as in sort of respect for others as what you're not allowed to do. One of the revolutionary things that Web3 is offering is the idea of DAO, the centralized autonomous communities. Do you think that these technologies that we have now with crypto and NFTs will play a crucial part in all of the internet communities of the future? I think it's very nascent. And I think since there are no benchmarks, you know, so there isn't a thing that you can copy paste and go like, oh yeah, this is, this is working perfectly. So we can copy paste this, which is, everyone tends to do once you can prove that something really works. So we are all still learners, you know, we are all still learning among what works, what doesn't work. Things that work perfectly a year ago don't work anymore, you know, because everything is new, everything is in a disruption mode still. We, what we know up to now is that the technology is awesome, the decentralized technology is awesome, the peer-to-peer -peer technology allows people to connect. But I think that especially in DAOs, you really need to build, as I was saying, a really healthy community because otherwise the same problems that we have uh, in companies tend to replicate in DAOs because you can have many not healthy individuals taking a lot of tokens. I have more rights, voting rights than others, you know? So the same kind of behavior tends to replicate when we scale. So there's still a lot of, uh, I think it's an awesome idea, but still needs a lot of, um, a lot of improvement in the implementation, you know? Uh, another thing is, how do you incentivize innovation within a community? Oh, that's a very interesting um, question. I think we don't, innovation is not a thing you can talk about. Innovation is a thing you have to live, breathe, and act upon. 
you know, because innovation is the way you live and what you do. If what you do, it's innovative, people will follow and things will develop. If I'm clear in what I'm saying. If we talk too much about innovation, we're not being innovative. We're just talking about innovation, but we are not implementing innovation. We are not creating. Creating is a verb. Creating is something that you do. It's something that you explore. It's something that you live. It's something that you deliver. So in order to incentivate a community, I think the leaders of that community need to be innovative with their acts because people don't imitate what we say. People imitate what we do, you know, when we inspire them through our actions. So we need to be innovative in the way we live and in the delivery of our products and actions and services. So that is one of the ways to achieve innovation within the community. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, I mean, I encourage people through my own example, you know, showing them what I do and encourage them to do things in a different way. But there is something intangible about innovation. The question is, uh, uh, can you innovate by design or is it some kind of a, like an artistic moment when things happen and simply things change within an organization? Well, I think it's a, it's a summary of all uh, because there is no one type of innovation. Innovation can happen in different verticals and among different uh, faces of an organization or individuals or an ecosystem. Because innovation can happen thanks to technology. Innovation can happen, yes, and I plus the um, design and, yeah, and ideas and design, or it can happen through the way we do things you know, in a different way or the the way we connect with things through a different perspective. So it depends. I think technology is just an enabler. The real innovation is always human and the way humans behave. So if you, if we are talking about innovation, there are tools that incentivate innovation like technology, those are tools, but the real innovators are humans, are always humans. And it happens to humans, to all of us. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, of course it does. And uh, one of the big problems with innovation is how does an individual uh, give an employee, uh, for example, a billion dollar uh, word idea when he knows that he won't get anything out of it. How do you make people feel that they are part of the organization so they would give their best? Well, there are now a lot of incentives and a lot of um, cultural changes inside organizations. If a person doesn't feel that they belong and they are going to be recompensated, probably they won't deliver. They won't even get to the point of thinking about innovation within an organization. That's a, a work that we do a lot when we, 
when I worked with New 21, the, um, the company I represent for Australia, which they are leaders in that area, that's a thing we talk about a lot and we implement a lot. If people don't think they are part of an ecosystem, that they are a crucial uh, member, value in the community, they probably won't even go there. That's a, a very interesting and uh, va valid point about the culture. So uh, one of the key factors for innovation is having the right culture and mindset within the organization. Exactly. Culture is everything. Culture is everything. And if you see, if you take a, a close look at the big tech companies, you're going to see how the dropout of individuals, especially in the IT department, is huge. Normally, it's huge because they don't commit because they're always seeking for new challenges and new, new ways of innovate, and they don't feel attached or linked or part of the organization itself. So that's a challenge, and that challenge comes with the culture and the DNA that that company is built. How do you build that culture within the organization? What is the, like the baseline that you need in order to have an innovative culture? Well, first of all, the values that the company was um, born with, that they can be reevaluate and persistent during time. Then the leadership, the leadership is key and the, the management of the company. Because in the ultimate time, the managers are the ones that are in contact with the people, you know? Probably, normally the C-level are something very aspirational, but you don't get an everyday, you don't get in touch with an everyday basis with those people, you know? So the managers, the line of managers are the key part of companies. And sometimes, in companies, that culture or that DNA get lost in the in the management line, you know. So it's you have to work really, really deep within the organizations to embed the culture, the values, the DNA, so everyone is aligned and everyone feels appreciated, listened, and motivated and incentivated, and everyone feels that it's a crucial part of the engine of that ecosystem. Yeah, and you also mentioned another crucial thing, and that is the alignment of values across the organization. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing. Because see what happened, what just happened to Twitter. Like Elon Musk just fired 30% of the, of the people, you know? And those are people who built Twitter so and I know people that got fired that was there since the very beginning and helped build Twitter and build the values of the company and now Elon Musk came in and I know there's a lot of people around the world that would kill to be working alongside with Elon Musk but that's a different culture it's not the Twitter culture and how Twitter was built so when you pay attention to those things and you see the memo he sent saying he wanted people to be working there. You know, have you read the memo? Like, yeah, I did many more hours or not working remote. And that's a thing that Twitter value a lot. And 
I think that's really going to impact. So it's not going to be the Twitter we know. It's going to be a different company because the value has changed. The DNA has have changed. And the people that were linked to that kind of uh, community, internal, internal community, have changed. So some will relate to this new kind of leadership, but some won't. So... When those things so disruptive get into a, a brand or organization, uh, it definitely impacts the structure. 